0: Welcome to the Ambitious Leader Podcast, the podcast for you leaders with big ambitions to help you reach more in an easier way. So if you have the feeling that the sweat you put in and the results you get out are not in line, then it's probably a good idea to listen and learn. The host of the show is Dennis Fredericks and we're ready to go.
1: hello everybody and welcome back for another episode of the ambitious leader podcast if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis you know that we have different types of episodes and today is one of those chat episodes meaning that i invite a guest to have an interesting and inspiring conversation with and uh, today that's absolutely not different because today i will have a chat with frank welcome frank
0: thank you dennis and welcome to everyone thank you for joining us today
1: you're welcome frank you're welcome and uh, well to be honest frank isn't just a random guest no frank is our new the happiness Factory's man on the ground in south africa we're joining forces to also uh, bring the happiness factory to south africa and that's where frank is based and uh, well we met a couple of months ago Already had uh, several very interesting conversations. And we discovered that our values and our way of working are very in line and very complementary with each other. So that was the the basis to say, okay, let's take it to the next step. And uh, well, together you always achieve more. And I think that's already one of the big things to talk about today. Because uh, one of Frank's key points of attention is the group group coaching how we as humans and employees operate within a group Uh, but of course we will go deeper into that with the next questions so frank i would say over to you and uh, well let's start with the the first one here who is frank and why do you do the things that you are doing
0: (laughs) i'm still trying to figure out who is frank Uh, you know i'm trying to make my mark in this world and know what it is that, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm up to. But whenever I think about that, one of the most significant uh, stories that come to mind is I have been, particularly for the last uh, 10, 10 years or so, trying to really figure out, you know, who is Frank and what is he all about? And there's a quote by an Indian, um, I think he's a Nobel Prize winner, uh, Tagore, uh, and he has a quote uh, something like I used to dream that life was joy I woke up and discovered that life was service mm-hmm. I acted and behold service was joy and so at the beginning when I was trying to find myself I found myself you know too stuck in trying to find who I was Uh, to a point where I thought at some point I actually stagnated because I was being held hostage by this uh, obsession to want to find who Frank is and what he's all about. And so what I decided to do over time is I fortunately, you know, came across a volunteer organization, which I'm part of, and I started just serving and doing different things, things that I would not have imagined that I would be doing, and through that, over the years, I'm starting to learn new things about myself that I wouldn't have imagined what I would have been all about. And uh, now I'm doing things that I probably would not have done had I not uh, put myself out there. But if I were to, you know, put it in, uh, you know, in, 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 in short, I think uh, Frank is, you know, he's, he's all about leadership, mm-hmm. uh, all about teams. And I think we expand a little more into that as we go through our conversation today. Mm-hmm. But Frank is also, he also has a family and, uh, you know, he's also trying to be there for his family and, you know, be a good brother, a good partner, a good anything that uh, Frank can be. Mm-hmm. And so that's another aspect to me. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, and this is something that drew me to the Happiness Factory, one thing I've always believed is that names are affirmations and my full name is Frank Mufaro Tsuro. and obviously Frank means open and honest uh, and so I'm someone who likes to be open and honest and uh, in my in my dealings and so I find that uh, Frank is someone who likes to be trusted and so whatever I do, I do with an aim to become someone who can be that trusted person or trusted partner in one's life. And why I partly also do this is because of my middle name. My middle name, Mufaro, means happiness. It means joy. And so I like to see people happy. And one day, I remember I was giving a keynote speech and someone asked me, what's unique about you? And I know many people can use this word and say this, but I care. Mm-hmm. I care. And, you know, I'm someone who cares. And one of the reasons why I do is because I just am a sucker for seeing people happy. Mm-hmm. And so this is me. Uh, that's why I feel that, you know, through my work in leadership and teams and through uh, my honest uh, and open engagement with whoever comes across in my life. We can bring happiness to the world and you know be what uh reach the potential that we can because i believe that this world is enough for everyone we just need to learn to live and work together Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's frank in many
1: ways wow (laughs) what a what a very layered answer (laughs) going to all the different layers of who you are and what you have to offer great great introduction great introduction um but of course, it immediately when you tell that story, it immediately comes with a lot of extra questions, things that I now think about and say, "Oh, what about this? What about that?" Um, so, well, let's 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 focus on more on the professional side of who Frank is, um, uh-huh. and the thing that you want to focus on the most. Um, so, the things that you are really passionate about what is there the story behind your story how how did you come to find it and 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 now being able to set that into the world
0: okay and uh, that's 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 another interesting long story you see growing up all i ever wanted to be was to be a chartered accountant mm-hmm. and so you can imagine how elated i was when Anston young came to me and gave me a training contract straight after high school. I mean, many people have to wait until they finish their first degree to actually get that opportunity. But because of the political situation in my country at the time and which also affected the economy, Ernst & Young uh, sort of discovered that they could no longer take all of us in at that time And so they came to me and they actually uh, were frank with me. And they said, you know, the reason why we had actually hired you is because you had done very well in your interview. You were one of the best. But your psychometrics were not quite good. And so, you know, uh, it was one of those moments because... My dream was about to come true, and it was the happiest time of my life. And suddenly, I'd also gotten the interview right, but suddenly something called a psychometric evaluation uh, was coming between me and me actually starting to pursue my dream career. Mm-hmm. And so it was not easy, but I got offered uh, you know, to work in the text advisory department, which is something I never took up. For a reason that I still don't know why until today, because I'm a very competitive person. But long story short, I'm glad that my life did not work out the way I wanted to be. (laughs) Because I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I did not work with people. And I mean, numbers are still a big part of what I do. And uh, many people will tell you that, yeah, Frank, uh, there's still that accountant's uh, brain and thinking in me. But I love people. And sometimes I can't believe I get paid to do some of the work that I do. But what truly inspired the work that I do was I, one of the times when I couldn't actually get into and Young is I had a bit of some extra time and I got myself a part time job. And I joined an organization called Mm Toastmasters. And during the time I was in Toastmasters, for those who don't know Toastmasters, Toastmasters is out there with a mission to make effective communication and leadership a worldwide reality. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was quite significant because I come from a continent which I believe has so much potential but I feel we need the leaders to match our potential to what we should be. And so uh, a few months later after joining Trustmasters, I got someone else that invited me to actually participate in another organization called JCI, Junior Chamber International. Mm -hmm. And Junior Chamber International also has a mission of creating young, um, you know, uh, responsible citizens. Uh, And so I was a bit conflicted at the time as to whether I should take on that invitation or not. And it's through some conversation I had with some mentors of mine during that discovery time where they actually challenged me and they said something to me that I would never forget. And what they pretty much said, I remember one of them, uh, Ed Moore, pretty much said something that really blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And it was something like, you see, as human beings, let's assume we're the life expectancy of 80. Mm -hmm. So if someone is 30 years old, naturally by default, they're thinking about the next 50 years in their life. Mm -hmm. And if someone is 50 years old, they would naturally be thinking about the next 30 years in their life. Mm -hmm. And so if I was to be led by a 50-year-old, which there's nothing wrong, in fact, I'm sure there's lots of value. Uh, The thing is there's still a gap for those extra years that someone needs to actually get to the point of uh, doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately understood the importance of uh, participating in the leadership uh, conversations to shape our tomorrow uh, quite early on in my career. Mm. And that's partly what shaped my interest in leadership. But another thing, like I said before, I come from a very beautiful community that I believe has been ravaged by poor leadership. Mm. And having experienced good leadership myself, in some instance, I wanted to make sure that Uh, you know, this, we rebuild this beautiful community and we live to our potential. Mm -hmm. And so a combination of those two things, after learning the importance of active participation Mm -hmm. in uh, conversations around shaping tomorrow and also seeing the situation uh, that was happening and understanding that unless I got involved, Uh, you know, then I can't expect any changes. Mm -hmm. That really spared me to actually come into the work uh, in leadership development. Mm -hmm. So I started off, uh, you know, it was a very funny story. I started off, uh, you know, helping. I helped out a friend who was doing an MBA dissertation project and I helped him with his dissertation presentation and he came back to me a couple of days later and he says, my friends want the same help too. They like my presentation. (laughs) but you've got to charge them. And so I started helping a cohort of MBA students up Mm -hmm. until the end of it. Most of those MBA uh, students I helped were executives in their companies Mm -hmm. and they wanted someone to help them prepare their speeches. Mm -hmm. And being someone who's loved oratory, which is leadership speaking and speaking in general, I discovered that I was not just helping people come up with poetic uh, rhetoric, out there I need this was an opportunity for them to lead and so through mm-hmm. that work I actually started helping a lot of uh, executives uh, mm-hmm. give uh, you know speeches that would inspire their stakeholders their employees mm-hmm. their customers and give confidence to their investors mm-hmm. that's how I looked at what I did and it uh, transitioned to a point where I started doing business uh, consulting and coaching which is pretty much helping companies do business strategy and then after that coach them to implement the strategy because Mm -hmm. a plan without action is nothing but uh, a dream And uh, it transitioned over time up until a point where I started working more with the leaders only Mm -hmm. uh, in those medium-sized businesses. And I also got attention from corporate. And that's Mm -hmm. how I got into leadership coaching. And until where I got to where I am, which I'll talk about a little later in detail, hopefully, about how I settled on team coaching and why team coaching Mm -hmm. means a
1: lot to Mm me. Yeah, yeah wow beautiful story beautiful story and especially when you mentioned that leadership coaching group coaching uh eliminating bad leadership well that are all things that are completely in line with of course what the happiness factory stands for um so as i mentioned in the beginning that's the reason why we found out that our approach and values are so aligned and well if i hear you talk i always almost hear myself talk (laughs) of course with a completely different story behind it Uh, uh, but still so much aligned so yeah really good really great thank you thank you very much and uh, also prove for our audience that indeed these words it was not prepared <laughs> whatsoever uh, so these words are coming straight from your heart and they are so aligned so yeah if you want to choose for the happiness factory in south africa then frank is absolutely the man to go to um well and with your with your answers um Actually, you already gave an answer to my next question as well, <laughs> uh, because indeed there are multi different types of services that you offer, uh, multiple things that you do, how to work with different types of people. Uh, but if you had to choose, I would say the the most important ones. Then, what are the the typical questions or typical problems that people? come to you for
0: okay Uh, and i'm going to answer that question in two parts Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not someone who's too obsessed on the medium Mm -hmm. that i use uh, to you know to to help or someone solve a problem you know for me if you have to leave belgium and get to france i consider that you can take a train Mm -hmm. uh, you can fly or you can drive whatever options that are available to Mm -hmm. you. And so for me, that's the same thing. Sometimes, uh, you know, people want to create awareness uh, on something leadership or team related. And so they call me to give a keynote speech Mm -hmm. uh, around that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's a very specific problem which they don't necessarily need my guidance in solving, but they need my hand holding and uh, assistance in actually creating the mindset. And this is where my workshops uh, really come into play, hmm. where we do a shorter version of things. But most of the times I do have people that need, uh, you know, the guide on the side and not the sage on the stage, Uh, a new phrase that I I learned uh, recently when I was um, working with another group of leaders and advisors Mm -hmm. that I work with. Uh, They then call me to uh, do coaching. And what I love about coaching is that a lot of people do know about training, facilitation, workshops, and speaking. Mm -hmm. But coaching is obviously one way that's so personalized that can help you achieve results. Mm -hmm. And uh, typically, what I'm most excited about is, uh, at this moment, is team coaching. Because some of the challenges that I would have to illustrate a little bit about what team coaching is all about, uh, what I would find sometimes is I would speak to leaders And in as much as you try as much as a leader to be as objective as possible, I found that, you know, the team was kind of always partly the problem whenever you're trying to resolve a certain challenge that a leader is trying to solve. And sometimes... Uh, that may be true, but maybe the extent to which it is said is a bit exaggerated and the team are a bit defenseless because they're not in our conversation one on one. And so sometimes you think that you're coming up with a solution. And when the leader goes out there, uh, you know, you discover that actually uh, the solution wasn't quite working as much as it should because there are certain things about the team that we did not know. Conversely, sometimes I would be called to work with a team. You know, a leader would say to me, "Oh, my team seems to struggle with A, B, C, and D," and so uh, I would speak to the team, and especially with the teams, more so than I find when on the other side, the teams would always sometimes feel that they're being limited by the leader, mm-hmm. or something is happening in that vein. Mm-hmm. And so I found that having these two separate conversations. While sometimes we could have very good conversations with the team, if they don't feel that they've got the support of uh, the the leadership team in implementing those things, my session would have been nothing but a you know, a casual conversation session because mm-hmm. no one would act on it. And sometimes maybe the leader could be open to talking about it, but if the team doesn't believe that the leader would do anything about it, they'll just keep quiet about it. They're not necessarily mention it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so what i found to be effective because I'm a firm believer that one of the main reasons why a lot of our organizations don't work is that the people are not talking to one another. Mm-hmm. And so team coaching gives us that opportunity to talk to one another, the leader in the room and the team in the room. Mm-hmm. The leader creating that safe environment that allows the team to speak up and the team exercising a bit of courage
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, to actually speak up and share what they've used to share feedback on how things can go. Mm-hmm. We've come from uh, you know an, an age where we could predict the next 10 years and do a 10-year strategy mm-hmm. and put a leader that would take us into the next 10 years. But now we live in a very... volatile, changing world where predicting the next 12 months is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And so relying on one person to lead becomes very difficult. So what we almost need to do is to harness the strengths of uh, everyone on the team and almost have a team of leaders Mm -hmm. actually taking us forward and sometimes you find that there will be other people at a certain phase that are more inclined to know the direction or at least have an idea of the direction we need to be taking For things to be going forward. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm very excited about uh, team coaching because team coaching involves the monthly conversations that we have as a team. Mm -hmm. uh, But there's also assignments for the team where they go and then coach each other as peers. Mm -hmm. We call that a bit of some peer coaching. And then there's also aspects where Uh, the leader also has some assignments and Mm -hmm. there's sometimes even a bit of leadership coaching Mm -hmm. where based on the conversations that happen, the leader is an assignment to actually carry through. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we discover that uh, in trying to solve those problems, there's maybe a certain area that needs to be emphasized on, maybe a certain technical skill that needs to be built. And so there's a bit of some learning Uh, you know, a bit of some tribe learning that's involved in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes Mm -hmm. there's also integration with other departments, which then brings about the group Mm -hmm. learning that, uh, you know, you you encompass into that. So it's a very comprehensive Mm -hmm. way, so personalized and customized Mm -hmm. way that can actually help you get to the bottom of what is it. Sometimes it's something very small that stands between you and uh, actually achieving your results mm. that makes that possible. Yeah. And so the common challenges that I tend to get called to solve is a situation where, for example, you've got a good team. The team is well-resourced. They've got enough resources to achieve uh, what is needed. You get into a meeting, you seem to be agreeing as to exactly what you need to be doing, but for some strange reason, you're still not getting the results.
2: Mm.
0: And those are kind of a typical situation where I get called in to say, Frank, can you help us uh, find out what really is going on? And like I said earlier, it's usually something about, uh, there's usually a, a conflict somewhere or friction somewhere uh, along the way that stops something from happening. It could be value-based. you were a great salesman selling In another company maybe a water company and you sold record uh, water bottles to the market Mm -hmm. but suddenly you've gotten a new job you're now selling beer and maybe beer is in higher demand Mm -hmm. and uh, you're thinking okay i'm going to break my own records Mm -hmm. but you find that you're struggling to pick Mm -hmm. and so you realize that maybe there's certain beliefs that you have against beer that are getting in the way of you achieving your peak performance in that area, Mm -hmm. that could be one of them or it could be the leader failing to understand. And I know when I was an executive, I struggled with this sometimes, you know, I like doing things fast and doing things uh, in a detailed way, but there are some people who prefer uh, things done a bit slower. They like things to the point, you know, so different personalities or different cultures in the way we handle things. Mm -hmm. And so that. When we we ask people to do something, when we ask a fish to climb a tree or when we ask a monkey to swim, right, Uh, the the job is harder. So if Mm -hmm. you are, you know, puzzled by why your people in your organization – are not performing at their best mm-hmm. or sometimes if you are, if you're wondering whether it is possible, I mean now we're talking about uh, the concept of people, purpose and planet which mm-hmm. is sustainability can ever, you know, can practically come before profit in business, mm-hmm. um, you know, then we are the people to approach the happiness factory mm-hmm. because we will show you a way, a responsible way to actually lead your organization profitably, mm-hmm. having put your people first, mm-hmm. having put uh, purpose uh, as one of the key things up front mm-hmm. and having considered sustainability as a key thing mm-hmm. that you need to actually achieve in your business because we believe that it is possible to create that mm-hmm. uh, environment yeah. uh, and, and make things make a difference. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Beautiful again, beautiful set. <laughs> and um, especially the thing that you mentioned to bring in the leader and the team together and to engage them in those courageous and curious conversations um, that ask something from the team because they have to speak up and it asks something from the leader because he needs to create that safe environment. I think that's really is a very, very strong approach. Uh, and especially if you compare that to um well, the, the quote that I have in mind is that I always say, as a leader, you always have the team or the company that you deserve. Yeah. Meaning that actually you created your own team, and the people are reacting in a way that you actually, yeah, it's just a consequence of how you act. And uh I see a lot of leaders who are complaining about their people and especially here in Belgium there's a bit within the the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial community uh, there's a bit of a saying where they say well it's all it's always fun to be an entrepreneur as long as you don't have employees
0: right Um, right
1: well, <clears throat> I am not. I do not agree with that, uh, especially because of that quote. You have the people that you deserve and you have the team that you deserve yes. and you have the company that you deserve. So if you are complaining about your people, actually you should look into the mirror and see what am I doing wrong? What could I be improving myself to make sure that my people and my team and my company is also improving? Um, and you can do that exercise on your own as a leader you can do that exercise on your own as a team but when you then bring those two together i think really that is a very very strong approach and that's why we need a a team expert as you as well
0: You, you know it's supposed to look obvious but obviously you know when you talk of those courageous tough difficult, caring conversations. And it's all the same things. Uh, You know, in my world, they're called frank conversations. So I love to talk. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the conversations are frank. So it should have come easily that frank conversations mm-hmm. is all I do. But another service that I tend to offer is something called facilitated problem solving. And it actually came as a result of uh, there's a time when I had a short stint in training. And I discovered that what would happen sometimes is you'd have a salesman who is struggling to sell. And, uh, you know, the sales team leader says, well, uh, please teach my salesperson presentation skills. No. And you realize that, well, th- this guy, uh, when you do the training, you realize that this guy actually knows everything about presentation. Mm-hmm. The only thing maybe is that they're nervous about doing presentation. And so you've wasted a day or two or three uh, busy doing presentation skills when we actually did not diagnose the actual situation. Mm-hmm. And did I also say that they would be interrupted in between Uh, to actually solve business problems. So what I decided to do, which is an approach that we now use, uh, is to say every time when we are solving an issue as the Happiness Factory, we want to know what is the problem that you're having, what's the business problem that you're having. Mm -hmm. And we now want to, we don't just want to deliver canned training, We want to deliver a solution that actually speaks to what's happening. Mm. And so earlier this week, uh, we had uh, a conflict uh, situation that was getting in the way of, uh, you know, a team performing well. And one of the key uh, challenges on something you were talking about right now, you know, to say as a leader in organization, you get uh, what, you know, the team that you deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I actually found is that there was a bit of some misconception on the difference between, uh, or, or there wasn't clarity about what your role is as a leader. Mm-hmm. And many times we've got these titles in organization as that and that manager, And sometimes we call this team leader. And it's important that we understand that we have got a management mandate in most of this work. And there's also a leadership mandate. And everything human, everything human is leadership. And everything non-human, which is the checklists, the spreadsheets, uh, all the other things that you need to do that have nothing breathing in them, and a human being that is management Mm -hmm. and now the question came how do you actually lead and so some of the complaints you know you would get uh, in that conversation that I was having is that well you know what I've been teaching this person the very same thing for the last four years right Mm -hmm. and so surely uh, that team member is a problem and I asked them So what do you need to do as a leader? How should you lead in such a situation? Have you tried coaching them? Have you tried, uh, you know, giving them uh, different, uh, talking to them and many other different options? And if you did try all those things, did it ever come across to you that you're accountable to make sure that you either fire this person or hire someone to help them, mm. or make a decision to move them to another department. Mm. And this is why a lot of people argue with, oh, no, the team is not the reflection of a leader or, or something like that. As a leader, remember, when you need to lead, sometimes Frank misbehaves in the company. He needs to be punished. Mm. That's leadership. Mm. When uh, Frank is struggling in, the, in in his role and is not performing at his best, Sometimes I always give an example of a data processing unit. There's some people who like typing, punching in information, and the other people enjoy verifications. And so if you realize that Frank is typing very slow and maybe enjoys verifications, why don't you actually – get another person who's good at typing to do all the punching in mm-hmm. and the other one to do the verifications. Mm-hmm. And all that is what we call leadership. When we, when you uh, engage with your people and you connect with your people, when you help, the, you know, shift them from one road to another where they are more inclined, mm-hmm. when you fire them, when you give them a disciplinary procedure, that is all leadership. So mm-hmm. you cannot give that excuse as a leader mm-hmm. that, oh, no, this is Uh, that person is not performing Mm. ultimately you have the decision to make Mm -hmm. to say how do we move on from here if this person is not the right fit or is not performing well
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly very well said And um, if you look at leadership through that lens, I think leadership is still very undervalued in many, many companies, because in many cases, leadership is looked at through the lens of a handbook. (laughs) This is the thing that we have learned in a course. This is leadership. No, it isn't. Leadership indeed is about all those things that you were explaining, really that, that deep interaction between people, that deep interaction between you and your people, uh, and a very beautiful distinction there between leadership is everything that has to do with the human side of business and management is everything that has to do with the the non-human side of business. All the other things. Very well said. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, I see that we are uh, already half way down the, the podcast. Uh, half an hour down the podcast, I would uh, say. Um, so... I have two more questions for you to slowly close off things and the first question is a question that I that I really like to ask to all my guests that I am uh, having in this podcast and now today especially for you Frank because we already are talking about leadership and the human side of doing business and all that specific interactions well this Ajax dilemma coming from the greed myth is uh, well actually a very good one to to zoom in on that one and for the ones who don't know the Ajax dilemma I will uh, very shortly explain it it's a, a Greek myth that um, that actually tells the story about soldiers a Greek army and in that Greek army you have two types of two persons actually and they have two different personalities the one is Ajax himself and Ajax is a very strong faithful Um, soldier and if you give him an order he will always do it immediately and it will always be a success because he's a very good well-trained soldier very strong very big he can handle everything the other one is Odysseus and Odysseus he's not so strong he's cunning uh, but he's also very smart and very creative but constantly cutting corners He's of course also very faithful. He wants to help the army, of course, as well. Um, But yeah, he does it on his own, in his own way, actually. And then, of course, as the the general, uh, the, the, the leader of the army, you are confronted with this problem or this issue. Uh, What are you going to stimulate? Are you going to stimulate the Ajax type of personality? And then you know that everything will be done and taken care of. And everything will be done in the best possible way. Or are you going to stimulate the Odysseus uh, type of people? Which will also lead to the result. But in a less straightforward way. And sometimes you will be surprised by how they come to that solution. Uh So yeah, as as a leader, what are you going to do there? And I'm really curious, Frank, what what your opinion about your opinion on this?
0: You know, when you ask me this question, you remind me and interestingly that I talk about dissertation projects more than Mm. I I actually usually do on an average day. I remember when my dad was uh, completing his engineering degree in the early 2000s, Mm. uh, he needed his uh, project typed. And at that time, computers were still a new thing for us. So you know, my father was one of those people who typed uh, very slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he so he pretty typing. much had, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so he pretty much had two options. One of which was my mother who was the fastest type in the house because she had done typing professionally hmm. and she used it as part of her job where she did work in the bank. But there was also another option, which was me, a bit slower but probably had more time because I was still a child at the time Mm -hmm. and it's easier for, I must uh, confess, I I understand now that it's quite easier to ask your child to do something than to ask your partner to do something. (laughs) So so I'm sure those were some of the dynamics that had to come into play. Mm -hmm. But uh, in that situation, uh, you know, who would you choose? And I think it's quite similar to the question that you asked, because one thing that I've observed or I observed during the time is I've always been someone who's very curious. So if you want to type this like Frank, uh, you know, one of the things is I like to ask, why is it that you chose this sentence? Why is it that you put a full stop here in terms of a comma? Mm -hmm. I'm that kind of person who wants to know why. So when you ask me to type something, I can type it, but be prepared to answer questions about why is it that you did this? Why is it that you did that? Mm -hmm. Whereas on the other hand, my mother was that person you could give something and she'll type it without question, Mm
2: -hmm. which Mm
0: -hmm. actually makes it faster and everything. Now, Frank would argue that maybe his product would be much better and something better would come out of it. But my mother could argue from an efficiency perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a strategy issue right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's no use having all muscle and no brain, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, depending on the battle you're fighting, you need to assess, do I need a creative mind to outwit uh, the the opponent? Mm -hmm. Or maybe, maybe there's too many creative aspects going on. And sometimes you just need a persistent battle. Mm -hmm. And so you need... Uh, you know, someone who's going to come in and uh, is the IX uh, group to come in and to actually fight the battle efficiently and just to follow a simple order, not overcomplicate things. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, what I would say as a means of advice, and especially in this world where we're now talking a lot about diversity, Mm -hmm. I've actually worked with teams where sometimes that team, one of the reasons why that team is not working, one of the mysterious reasons why that team is not working is that that team is full of thinkers instead of doers. Mm -hmm. And if you've got thinkers only on the team and people who've got, we're not sharp at execution, Mm -hmm. you you know, everything will just remain a dream. It -hmm. will just become, my friend once jokingly called, you remain with thought leadership and nothing tangible Mm -hmm. but uh, sometimes you also have doers and whilst it's good to do 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 sometimes when you you put in all this effort and you don't plan your direction quite nicely Mm -hmm. there'll be a lot of wasted effort Mm -hmm. and so my challenge would be that as leaders we need to assess the environment in which we're operating and the outcome that we want and ask ourselves what is it that we need right here do I have the right balance of the IX uh, team and the and the Odyssey team, mm-hmm. and make sure that you've got the right balance in your team? Mm-hmm. A lot of us are hiring blindly, mm-hmm. uh, and suddenly we wonder why things are not happening, but because we don't have the right balance to things. So instead mm-hmm. of choosing what team there would be, I would almost say, I would, I would say as a leader, I would challenge myself mm-hmm. to find out what it is that I need the most. If it's a simple, straightforward battle, I need good executors. And sometimes me as a leader... I'm a thinker and I can give that direction. Mm-hmm. Then I'll certainly bring in the IX crew. But then if it's something that needs, you know, if it's a very technical battle mm-hmm. that needs a lot of thought, it's more innovative. I need to bring an innovative
2: wing mm-hmm.
0: by also then thinking about there's a quote I had, but I hardly ever watch. Uh, TV or anything, but there's a quote that's always said that always stuck with me. And I think it's a Dr. Seuss type of um, of, a, of a quote that says only the thief deal in absolutes. I don't believe that you need an absolute one type of a thing. Hmm. I believe you need both but the balance differs from project to project and mm-hmm. know that balance and mm-hmm. make sure that, that your team reflects that balance mm-hmm. so that you are able to uh, achieve the results that you seek. Yeah. So that would be my answer.
1: Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And especially now that you're also touching upon the point that there can be variation from project to project. Because that's one of the things that I also see in many companies and with many teams, that teams are fixed and I think that's, that's a waste of talent because depending on the, on the question that the team has to solve or even in the life cycle of the product that they are serving, I think you should be able to be flexible with your teams and well that that opens an an entirely new conversation of course (laughs) and that is out of scope for this uh this podcast recording but perhaps we can do another one on that especially uh because then yeah relaunching your team with a new goal and in a in a new setup uh, that's also a very very important point of your leadership role to transfer your oh. team, to relaunch your team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, very, very good, very good. And uh, well, I will keep your story in mind because then the next time I don't have to talk about the Ajax dilemma anymore. Then I can talk about the Frank or the Mother dilemma. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, great, great. Okay. Well, to, to close things up, um, one last question for you. Um because it's clear, and you already mentioned it in the totally in the beginning of the, the podcast: you grew up in a very beautiful community. Uh, you are a very engaged person, engaged to, to, to the people you work with, engaged to the world, you want to contribute, you want to be of value, you want to serve people. But the thing that I see with people who are so engaged is that they also have, well, in many cases, a lot of worries. And now i'm just curious um what are the things for you that keep you up at night and then i would say divide it into three levels just purely on a personal level more on a business level and then more on a world scale level
0: okay um i'm going to uh, take whatever order i think on a professional level let me start at a professional level I I do feel that um you know there's a lot of um 20th century management uh, thinking and management practices mm-hmm. that are being used to run uh 21st century business. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that all of that is uh, You know, I'm not saying that everything is irrelevant, but I believe that it's important for us to use 21st century management thinking mm-hmm. and management practices to run 21st century business. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when we create a 21st century version, it doesn't mean we're doing an overhaul. We are taking the good things that are still relevant and bringing them into the workplace. Mm -hmm. Right now, you know, we are talking of a world of remote working, you know, hybrid working distributed teams. Mm -hmm. And for example, I still find leaders worried about, but I won't be able to. Uh, be a surveillance to my team. Mm -hmm. They don't know that they're saying that, but they want to be watching their team, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, every minute and seeing what it is that they're doing. And obviously now with generations coming in, some of them don't even want to be monitored Mm -hmm. because it's different from, say, a baby boomer that grew up in wartime uh, and uh, was so used to seeing policemen and soldiers around. Mm -hmm. And when they say jump, you'd ask how high. (laughs) <laughs> and now the bond freeze that know nothing about that. And we previously, as a leader at home, as a father or a mother, uh, your child could say, "Why should I do this?" And you say, "Because I'm your father." And I say so because I'm your mother. I say so. Mm-hmm. Now the kids of today ask you, "Why should I do that?" Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to know the purpose behind things and how things are operating. And so for me, I'm 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 curious as to whether it would be possible to eliminate some of that 20th century thinking. And, you know, it's understandable why people would, um, you know, carry over certain things because it's always been done that way. Mm -hmm. But we now live in a complex, a more complex environment Mm -hmm. where the usual nine to five factory type working hours uh, may not necessarily be the best to get the most out of this world mm-hmm. or the surveillance watching over your team may not necessarily be the best way to do things mm-hmm. or the authority thing uh, because I say, so now you need to learn to lead without authority,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Uh, and the, that's what's happening today. And so my mission professionally is something that's keeping me up at night. Is trying to find out how can we, bring uh, an updated set of uh, leadership thinking and that's part of it, the whole distinction between management and leadership. Mm -hmm. Previously shareholders gave management a management mandate and very little mandate to do with the people. Mm -hmm. Now in the 21st century we can see with all the movements that have been coming up that it's impossible or shareholders to give a management mandate, there also has to be a clear ma- a leadership mandate hmm. to say how are we going to lead the people in our organization hmm. and treat them and ensure that they've got fair working conditions. Hmm. So that's it on a professional side. Yeah. Uh, on, on a world scale, I think for me, it's, it's really at home here in Africa. Africa is a continent that uh, I'll tell a quick story. I I remember in February 2018, I landed at Cape Town International Airport coming from my home country Mm -hmm. of Harare, Zimbabwe. Now, Harare, Zimbabwe is a landlocked country. In other words, there's no sea, there's no ocean. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to Cape Town. And Cape Town is famed to be the place where the two oceans meet, the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean. Mm -hmm. So I get off the airport and this guy says to me, excuse me, are you from here? I said, well, no, and I thought this was a very welcoming person on the buses, we were getting off Cape Town International Airport. Guess what he said next? Please don't waste our water. Now, coming from a landlocked country like Zimbabwe, the last thing I expected coming to a place with two oceans Mm -hmm. is for someone to welcome me with the words, please don't waste our water, because there's an abundance of water in Cape Town. But as I would later realize, it is not that Cape Town did not have any water, but they did not have the right kind of water Mm -hmm. they needed to consume. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that the same is true in Africa. It's not that we don't have leaders in Africa, but I think we need the right kind of leaders Mm -hmm. to actually move the continent forward and to match its potential. Mm -hmm. uh with what uh with what things should be i'm tired of hearing about africa's potential i feel that we need to match our potential Mm -hmm. and that's something that also keeps me up at night to say you know how do we achieve such a world Mm -hmm. uh from a governance perspective from a corporate perspective and uh, making sure that the lives of people are much better and i think personally and this one is the biggest project because I suppose it speaks to achieving the professional and this is how how do I become happy and you know uh, the concept of happiness is very big for me mm-hmm. and so trying to figure out you know how can I be happy as a future parent how can I be there for my children and be happy mm-hmm. as a leader in my organization how can I lead better to a point where I can, I believe if you lead very well in uh, a company, you inspire people to be better community leaders because they take those things, they take where they spend most of their time at Mm -hmm. work into the community. Mm -hmm. And so for me, achieving happiness for self, for my family and for my community is something that keeps me up at night. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly working each day to see if I can Mm -hmm. ever crack that code. And Mm -hmm. that's really what keeps me up at night
1: wow (laughs) that's really answers that i love so deeply um also when you're talking about africa as a continent and that you say well we don't have to talk about the potential that is there but we really have to create it we have to level up ourselves to that potential beautiful beautiful and it's a big challenge i think for many leaders But well, that's why we are there as the happiness factory, isn't it? To make it happen. And that immediately brings you to the next point where you said, well, how to create that happiness. And personally, I believe that those two points that they really match together. If you are truly happy and if you are good connected with your people and create a happy atmosphere then it's so much easier for people as well to raise or to rise up to the potential to that level that they need to really perform at the best possible possible level and the next next level is in reach so yeah beautiful beautiful and uh, well I would say Let's make it our mission. That's why we are here and that's why we are going to uh, to do the things that we do.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Thank you. Thank- Well, Frank, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, having this interview with me. Um, I really loved it. I think there were a few sentences that you said that are really strong. Uh, perhaps I'm now even thinking about creating a summary of this episode by just cutting out those very strong sentences. Um, because if you listen to those, those really, those, that core message that you are delivering here, it's such a beautiful message to the world. And I already become happy of it. So you are succeeded.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I appreciate having this conversation with you and our listeners. And yeah, we we are also always open to learning at the Happiness Factory. So we look forward to engaging with you, our listeners, and uh, seeing how we can keep this conversation going uh, because you are part of our mission.
2: Thank you
1: very much. Indeed, very well said. Thank you all. Thank you, Frank. And we'll speak again soon. Bye. Bye. free music of bensound.com